Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Six years ago today, I came to a church for my first time outside of prison. I met uh, Peter Anthony Howe, I met Christian, and I met Alfred. Uh, my life's never been the same since. Uh, if there is a title to this, it'd be called The Truth. Pastor Omar said on Sunday that we are all going to have to have an account to God. The Webster's Dictionary 828 says definition of truth is the body of real things, events, and facts. The body of real things, events, and facts. Join me in prayer. Father God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you just increase in me, Lord, that you speak through me, Father. I pray for just one person, Lord, one person to receive this message tonight, Father God. I pray that they get freedom and liberty through you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray this. Amen. The body of real things, events, and facts. 2 Timothy 2.15 in the King James Version says, Study, study, to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Remember, word of truth. The New International Version says, Do your best to present yourself as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and correctly handles the word of truth. So you see, the word of God says that we need to study it. You need to do your best. You need to do your best to present yourself approved, correctly handling the word of truth. Remember, the word of truth. Let me just be very honest with you. If any of you are here or that are watching online proclaims to be a Christian and you are not reading your word, I've seen it over and over and over again for 17 years that I've been saved. It is true. It's always the same story. If you think you're going to walk this walk and not read your word, nothing is really going to get better for you. Most likely, things will stay the same, or honestly, things will probably get worse. You see, the Word of God is where you get your strength, where you get wisdom and understanding. It's where you get encouragement, comfort, and peace. It's where you get correction and direction. It's where you find hope. It's where you learn how to love. It's where you get clarity, where you get purpose. It's where you will always, always, always find the truth. Pastor Rob said last Tuesday at RBI, which is here at our church at 7 p.m. on Tuesdays. He said the word of God is the standard of all truth. Let me repeat that again, please. The word of God is the standard of all truth. The Bible says it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training of righteousness. Training in righteousness. The Bible says the word of God is for training in righteousness. Psalms 119 says the word is a lamp to my feet, a light on my path. The Bible says I once was lying. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. 
You see, the word of God tells the truth. It helps us to navigate through life. It helps us to stay on course. It's our manual for everyday living, for every, every situation. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory from the Son, from his Father, full of grace and truth. John 14 says, John 14.6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. John 17, 17 says, Jesus asked the Father to sanctify us. Sanctify means to set us apart by the truth. And then explains that the truth is the word. Jesus is the truth and speaks the truth. We must understand that Jesus Christ is the truth and everything he says is true. John 8, 31 through 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If anything tonight, remember, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So why am I saying all this? Remember what Pastor Jacob said? If we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. If we don't stand for the truth, then what are we standing for? If we are not studying our word, which is the word of God, which is the word of truth, then how do we even know what the truth is? You come to church, praise God. You go to Connect Group, thank you, Jesus. You're even in prayer, hallelujah. You're even giving your testimony, amen, God is good. But friend, you got to feed yourself. You got to get in that word and let it start speaking to you. Let it heal you. Let it shape and mold you. Jesus says in John, if you abide in my word, abide means to stay. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Amen. Set free from guilt, shame, fear, resentment. Set you free from suicide, maybe identity crisis, maybe feeling unwanted, anger, anxiety, loneliness, depression, gambling. Set you free from alcoholism, drugs. Whatever it is or whatever it was, the truth will set you free. You were abused growing up, the truth will set you free. You were or battling with voices in your head, the truth will set you free. There's some hidden sin that has a grip on you. The truth will set you free. You're battling with an identity crisis. The truth will set you free. You can't forgive yourself for something that you've done. The truth will set you free. You feel like giving up at sometimes not coming to church. The truth will set you free. You battle with guilt and shame. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. If you, knew, if you are new, I just want to encourage you to get in your word. Stay in your word. If you have been here for a while, and you could be honest with yourself, and say, I haven't really been reading my word, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Get back in your word. Get back in your word. 
The devil says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If you do not get in your word, then you're allowing the things of this world to conform you. You're allowing the things of this world to pull you in a bad way. The truth will set you free. I want to encourage you. I am serious, you guys. I mean, I'm serious. I know we have a good time. We joke around. But I am serious. This is life or death. I know too many people that have walked away from their calling. Too many people. And I, they get out of their word. They get out of the truth. This is a standard. It is true. It is valid. I just want to encourage you guys today. Just allow God to shape and mold you. Allow him to heal you, strengthen you, comfort you. If you're going through something in life and, and you feel that there's no way out, just trust in God. Get in your word. Allow the scriptures to just shape you. Let them touch you. Let them comfort you. Let them get in your, head, in your mind. The Bible says by the renewing of your mind. So I'm asking right now, I just, if you'll just join me in prayer, I just want to pray before I depart from right here. I just want to ask God that he'll just move in your life, that you don't become stagnant, that you don't become like the water that mosquitoes feed off of, that you don't get lazy, that you don't get comfortable here. It's real easy to get comfortable here. It's real easy to be here for two, five, ten years and get comfortable and lose your way. So I'm trying to encourage you right now. The truth will set you free. You got to be in your word. So I'm going to pray right now. Father God, I ask right now, Lord, for my brothers and sisters, Father. I pray for those that are new, Lord. I pray for those that just come, barely came to the church, Father, that gave themselves to you, Father. I pray right now, Lord, that you will move in their life, Father God, by the renewing of their mind, Lord. I pray that they will open up the scriptures, Lord. I pray, Father God, that they will allow you, that they will allow you in their life, Lord to shape and mold them, Father God. And I pray for those that have been here for years, Lord, that maybe there's dust on their Bible, Father, on the Word, Father. I pray that they push it off, Lord. I pray that they dust it off, Lord. I pray that they get back in it, Father. I pray, Lord, that you move through them, Lord, and open doors, Father God. I pray against any stronghold of the enemy, Lord, that he has no power, no authority, Father God. So I thank you right now, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening, Reach Church. Uh, before I get into my message, I do want to pray. So if you guys could just join me in praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that it not be me speaking, Father God, but your word, that you would get the glory tonight, Father God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit being here, Lord God. And we thank you in advance for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. And I got the timer going. So uh, before I get into my message, I do want to share a story with you that's going to relate to my message. If you guys don't know me and my wife are currently expecting our first child yeah you guys could, you guys, you guys could praise God for that um, but um, just a little bit of background that the moment before we were planning our gender reveal what had happened was a, a slip-up kind of happened and you know what slipped out was I was gonna be having a daughter so I do what probably every first time dad did I began to just pile my Amazon cart with girl clothes and girl toys and the cutest thing that my daughter could ever wear and I just began to pack out my cart and as I was doing that the day of the revival uh, the day of the reveal comes along and and sure enough, we light the lightsaber and it's green. And don't ask me why it's green, but green is to signify that we're having a boy. And, and as it rings, as it comes out, I, the, if you've seen the videos, the look of confusion on my face is just like, 
Like, I almost picture that's what the Roman soldiers saw when they saw the empty tomb, like just the jaw wide open. And I was just like, what is going on here? I must have gotten a malfunction shift or something. I must have gotten the wrong lightsaber. But, you know, after miscommunication, I realized that, oh, no, I was actually having a boy. But I think the reason why it relates to this message is that I think we can do that that I think we can prepare for a future that God has not ordained. That, hey, we can, yeah, you guys can. But I think we can prepare for a future that God has not given us confirmation for. That, hey, we think, hey, how is this going to benefit me? No, not, hey, how is this going to benefit his kingdom? And who better to go to than the Father? Who better to go to for the next plans, the next direction for our lives than our God? Listen to what Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And I think if we're real, and, and I hope I'm not alone here, but I think we like to put this timeline on God. That, hey God, I have been in this season for two, three years and hey God, I need you to get me out of here. I think about how we have Christmas coming up. And for some of you guys, you guys are probably like me, and you're like, Christmas is coming up. Like, I am excited. And then for some of you guys are like, oh, no, Christmas is coming up. And the reason why we're saying that is because we know that our finances don't look great right now. And what we begin to do is we say, hey, God, you have two months two months to uh, take me out of this situation. You have two months to make this disappear. Or, or if you're like me and my wife right now, you're trying to find a home. And if you guys know California weather and California uh, market, you just know that right now is not the time to buy. And right now you're telling God, hey, God, me and my family just aren't going to cut it. We can't do it in a two-bedroom home right now. So, hey, I'm going to give you another year because if not, Texas is looking really, really good right now. If, if you don't open up the door right now, God, I'm going to give you another year. And if another year we don't have it, hey, yippee-i-you, we're going to Texas. Listen to what Proverbs 16 through 9 says. The heart of man plans its way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And it brings me to my first point, that God holds all the pieces. And when I was putting this, uh, this um, message together, I began to think about, hey, I, I put together that God holds the pieces. And then I thought, hey, that's good, but it's not complete that, hey, I have to add the all in there, that God doesn't just control some of the pieces, that, hey, he's not on some of the aspects of my life, that he is in this aspect of all of them, that even the enemy that we fight with daily must bow down to him, that he is under his domain. We see this in the book of Job, that how he has to go before our father before he does anything. And you may be asking yourself, well, if God holds all the pieces if he holds everything why don't i have a house right now if he holds all the pieces why am i still single right now hey if god holds all the pieces why is it when i applied for that job i didn't get it that guy that i didn't like got it why is that and i respond with this that hey if what you have right now is not good god's not done that, hey if what you have right now is not good god is not done and that, hey, even in the confusion, even in the mystery of the God we serve, that God is still up to something. I want to tell you a story about uh, a moment at Reach Youth when uh, Pastor Jacob had called me and let me, let me know that his daughter was being a little bit uh, difficult and he needed me to come early to set up the sound system. And if you don't know me, I am not a 
technical, te- see, I can't even say the word. I am not a sound system wizard like our pastor is. And he can set it up in ways I couldn't imagine. But I'm a servant, so I told him, hey, man, I'm, don't worry. I'm going to take care of this. I am going, when you get here, the sound system is going to slightly work, I hope. Um, but uh, as I'm getting there, I begin to just connect the wires. And I'm praying that, hey, I finally get a signal. And by this time, I've probably been shocked at least twice. And, you know, I'm, I'm just setting it up. And, you know, one of our kids, Jordan, if you guys know Jordan, he is, I mean, get to know the kid. He is awesome. And he comes up to me and, you know, I'm trying to make this work. And he's over here and he's trying to make small talk. Hey, Fabian, how's your day? And I'm like, hey, listen, Jordan. Hey, I love you. I love our conversations. I love, you know, our, our, our talks with God. But right now I'm trying to make this work. I, I'm frustrated. My eyes are bloodshot. I am sweating red in the face. And I know that he knows I'm frustrated. And what happens is I tell Jordan, hey, listen, I love our talks, but you got to give me a minute. And he didn't respond the way that I expected him to respond. He didn't say, oh, I see you're busy. I'm just going to give you your time. He said, hey, you know, I, hey, I, I get it. You're busy right now. You know, I wonder what God's doing. You know, I wonder what God's trying to tell us. And it, it, it almost was like, man, he's using my logic against me. He's using my sermon against me. And I thought, man, it's so true that, hey, even in my frustration, God is still up to something, that he's still doing something. That it's not like, hey, he's on the throne, and the minute that I have difficulties, he's, he gets off, and he's like, oh, whoa, Fabian's having difficulties there. Hey, I'm just going to wait until he, he figures it out, and then I'll go back to it. Like, no, he remains there. And I don't mean to compare my sound system drama and comedy with some of the pain that you guys are going through, because I know that, you know, it, it can't compare apples to apples. I just, there's no way. But listen to what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. Like I said, my, my job here is not to compare that comedy compared to your pain. Some of you guys are going through a divorce, a layoff, a diagnosis, a death. But I will, I will, what I will say is that even in both, that God is still working, that God still remains on the throne, that God is still doing something in your life. And it leads me to my second point, that God's plan is good. That God's plan is better. I stole that from Pastor Omar, that his plan is better. And we really have to believe that, that, hey, whether we can experience it, whether we know if he's actually working for our good, we have to trust that he is. That, hey, a lot of the times we think that, hey, I, I really don't know if God's working on my behalf. Hey, you have to trust that he is. I want to almost close it here. If you were to ask anybody in this room, hey, what's the worst day in history? And a lot of us are going to say, hey, that's probably the day that my Savior died. Hey, that's the day that my Savior died. And he didn't die the way that some of us hope we leave. He didn't die in his sleep. He didn't die surrounded by people who loved him. The way that he died was he was nailed to a cross, stripped down, beaten, stabbed, bleeding out, surrounded by people who hated him. And you ask somebody and you tell them, hey, what do you think about that day? And they're going to tell you, that's a bad day. I wouldn't want to be him. That's a really, really bad day. But you ask a Christian, you say, hey, what do you think about that day? And they're going to tell you, hey, that's a really, really bad day. But listen, it's also the best day. 
but because it's also the day that, hey, every sin I have ever committed, every thought, every action now went on to him, that that was also the moment that, hey, my sin was forgiven. So, hey, what turned into the worst situation, what turned into a bad situation, now turned for his good. So if you take anything from today's message that, hey, right now you think that it's bad, you think that right now your situation, you just can't get through it. If he could take a moment like that, a bad situation like that, and turn it for your good, how much more will he do in the future? Amen. Amen. Good evening. How you guys doing? I have an illustration I'm going to do. I'm actually pretty excited about this. I hope you guys enjoy it. I think you guys are all going to definitely benefit from it. Uh, but how many know we serve a God of redemption? We serve a God that is here to save, and he goes after uh, the one that is missing. So I want you to know that you're in for a treat. Um, I am going to read out of the, the um, Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. It's a familiar story that we've all heard many times, but I believe it's going to be something special today, man. So just come with me. In verse 11, he said this. this uh, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered, he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead, but is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. And what a powerful story we have here. We, we, we see we have two sons that are in the covering of God or, or covering of their father. And one of the sons, the younger son, decided that life might be better outside of the covering of God. Outside of the love, outside of the gates where he had safety and protection. And we see that he left to a far off place into pursuit of his own needs, of his own affairs. Uh, things that, that he desired most. Things that were uh, for his path and his path alone. But I want you to know something. When we step out of God's will, we're actually rejecting God and pursuing our own path. In essence, the Bible calls that sin. And we're sinning. And I want, I want to share this. Sin never delivers on its promises. Sin might look good and even feel good for a moment, but it won't satisfy your life and will eventually cause you to crash and crash hard. See, the younger son, I believe, felt that there would be freedom in a far-off country. No rules, no boundaries. Uh, nobody to tell him what to do, no chores. He was able to do whatever he wanted. He actually had the, the audacity to go to his dad and say, you know, I wish you were dead. I'd rather have my inheritance so I can take off. Imagine that. And imagine the father 
uh, back then, they were like a dictatorship. There was no open conversation. Whatever the father said, that's what was done. But the father allowed him to, to grant him his wish, and he gave him this money. But, but we see that this man, this young son, all he did was care about himself. All he did was care about his needs. And he felt that it would be better to be outside of the will of God and have more opportunities in the world. And Pastor Omar has said this. He says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And I believe that's the truth. You see, there's two things that I really want to point out in this story. One of them, the son had an aha moment. And the other is when the father ran to him. So the first point I want to bring out is in verse 17, it says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here? You see, AHA stands for an acronym that is Awaken, Honesty, and Action. And I need you to repeat that. Say Awaken. Honesty and action. I read a devotional by Kyle Edelman, and he said, these three things are so significant. They're the ingredients that we need when we have them all together. And with God's word and the Holy Spirit, you can have a life-changing experience and and a God-given moment that can change your life forever. You see, awakening comes when uh, when you come to your senses. When you finally realize where you're at. When you finally open your eyes. You see, he was surrounded by pigs and desiring what they eat. You see, the party was over. He he wasn't having fun anymore. He ran out of money and lost everything. And I want you to know, Jesus was setting an alarm to him. See, the Bible says that a famine came to get his attention. And and I want to know how many people are sitting in here right now where God is sounding an alarm in your life. God is trying to get you to wake up and open your eyes. He's trying to awaken you so you don't go down a path that you're not supposed to follow. You know, I, I wanted to be a little funny here. I said, there's alarms going off in here. Uh, I, I want to tell um, young people, all the men here, stop replying to the DMs. You don't need to go there. That girl's going to lead you to a different path. In fact, she might even be fake. You know, no one that cute likes you anyways. <laughs> women, women, I want to tell you, don't go to his house late at night. He doesn't want to watch a movie. I guarantee you, you're going to catch yourself into some trouble. There's men in here and women that want to go to the clubs and want to drink and want to party. That type of lifestyle will, will lead you to, to, to desolation. It'll lead you to sorrow. It'll, leave you, it'll lead you to so many things where you're trying to fulfill your life with all these things that the world has to offer. But again, it'll lead you to destruction. We have to learn to awaken and understand that God has a better calling for us. Amen? Stop going to those places. Stop drinking that. Stop going to those websites. Stop going over to that house late at night. Stop doing other things that the world is trying to tell you which is better than serving God. And I wanted to encourage you that that serving God is better. Amen? Just like Fabian said, it's not the right thing for you, but Pastor Howard says it's the better thing for you. Amen? And then you have to be honest. Honest with yourself. These are some tough conversations we need to have with ourselves. You see, the verse said that he had to come to himself and he had to tell himself and see what was really going on. And I remember when I was lost in the world and I was bound by drugs and bound by alcohol, there was times when I would look in the mirror and I said, what's wrong with you? Why do you keep on going through these things? Why do you keep on messing up? Why do you keep on failing over and over and over again? You see, these brutal conversations that we have with ourselves, you have to be tough. You have to tell yourself, this isn't what God had for me. This isn't the way I'm supposed to be. But it's not, it's not only being honest. Um, you, there has to be an awakening as well. There has to be conviction, and conviction leads to confession. You see, uh, with, with being honest and being sorry, let me get a drink of water. 
Amen. <laughs> I was doing good for a while, then it got drier now. <clears throat> um, so being sorry is, is only regret. There's no action behind it. There's no, there's no turning from it. It's like, man, I messed up again. You see, we got to learn not only to be sorry, but we have to learn how to, how to take a leap and repent. Okay? So, so what I mean by repenting is he understood that he messed up and he said that I need to go to my father. But I also, I also understand that I sinned against God and I sinned against my father. You see, he was repenting already. He said, what I've done is I made mistake time and time again, and it led me here uh, in a pit with pigs and wanting to eat their food. This isn't the life that God had for me. So this is what we have to do. He says, to be honest, we need to have that type of conversation that brings brokenness. Uh, when, you, when you tell the person that you're sorry, it must go beyond that. You know, um, an honest moment uh, will allow us to open up and be truthful and not only say sorry, but actually take action behind it. The difference between regret and repentance is, is regret is just saying sorry. But when you repent, you want to turn from that way. You want to stop going in those places and you want change to happen. So that's the importance of being repent, uh, having repentance. You're showing your brokenness and understanding how God is displeased with the way you've been living. And then it takes action. You know, and it's a simple thing that Jesus said. He said, this man arose. He got up. That's all he had to do. He understood that he had to awake and realize where he was at. Then he was honest with himself that he messed up and he needed to repent. He needed to turn to God. The next thing to do is he had to take a step of faith and go back to his father's house. See, a lot of times this is where we get stuck. This is where we get scared. We feel like people are going to judge us. We feel like God isn't really going to love us as much as, he, as, 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 as we think we are. And we just got out of a sermon series called Keeping Score. And, and one thing I do know is when I came to God, there was a score that I kept. And it was all the things that I did wrong. And I couldn't understand how God can, can save somebody like me. I would always count, like, God, like, how could you? I was this. I was that. I was a drug addict. I hurt people. I, 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 I've done a lot of bad things, God. There's no way that you can, that you can love me the way, the way the Bible says. And I would fight myself with that. But I want, I want you to realize that there's a God in heaven that loves you. That his love for you is unconditional. No matter where you came from or no matter where you've been, God loves you and he wants to save you and he wants to rescue you. Um, but when he said he arose, he recognized that something needed to change. So he got up and he finally went. And there's two points that I want to bring up here. Um, one of them, uh, the second point is the father ran to him. The father ran to his son. And, and I want to get you guys to, to have a, a certain realization of how uh, first century Jewish people lived. Uh, when you're an elder, when you're a father, uh, when you're um, in a high position of authority, there's some things you never did. And one of them is run. You never, 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 never ran. That was just uh, something that was disgraceful. It was something that you shouldn't have done. And one thing Pastor Omar said uh, a while back, he said uh, that the father ran to him. So when he had to run, he had to pick up his cloak and he had to show his lower legs. And back then in that custom, if, if, if a, a leader or an elder were to show his ankles or his calves or anything like that, it was a sign of shame. So think about the father when he saw, when he saw his son coming to him. He was willing to bear shame to save him, to rescue him. He was willing to pick up his tunic and get to the gates before anyone else can see him. And I wanted to talk about that right now before anybody else can see him. But in verse 20, it says this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and, and felt compassion and ran and embraced him with a kiss. 
And, and what that means is he basically fell on his neck and he, he was just holding him down and telling him how much he loved him. It was definitely a, a, a beautiful moment at that time. But what I want to share here is why was the father running to him? What was he trying to save him from? And I did a little bit of research on certain customs, the Jewish customs had. And one of, the, one of them was with this pot right here. And it was a very brutal custom. It was a very ceremonial performance to basically uh, shame the person that came back. See, I guess it was, there was times where people would leave. They would want their inheritance and they would want to leave. But if they came back, there was this certain custom or this certain ceremony called kazaza. And what Kazaza was, it was a ceremony performed by a Jewish elder man when a Jewish elder man left the community and when he, li- when he lived with the Gentiles and lost all their wealth, when he came back, he would go to that city gate and the older men would throw down a pot in front of the young man, symbolizing the broken relationship that now exists between the community. He was a sinner and this act would basically tell him he is now separated from his family, from his community, from his faith. So just think about that. Think about that custom. And thinking about what I said earlier about this man who had to take action, this young boy. He had to go and face what was going to happen to him. And maybe he might have knew this custom, this kaza moment, this moment of disgrace. You see, what they would do is they would pick this thing up. And as you're entering the gate, they would throw it at you and they would ridicule you. And they would break it right there, right in front of you. And they would say, we were whole until you left. But now when you're coming back, we're not whole anymore. You've broken all those relationships. You're not worthy to be part of our family. You're not worthy to be part of our faith. And you're not worthy to be part of the community. How many know when we were lost in the world, we had that that step, but it held us back. And I believe there are people here that feel the same way. That you know that, that you're awakened. You see the way you're living is the wrong way to live. And, and you've been honest with yourself. You've been in front of that mirror and you say, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep failing? Why do I keep messing up over and over again? But you're afraid to take that step because you're thinking about what people might say. You're thinking about what they'll call you. You're thinking about this, this type of ceremony to shame you. But I, 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 just, I just wanted to, to let you know I, I broke one of these pots at home and I wrote some, some notes on it. You see, the Bible said he was fast living, so... Maybe the, this broken piece was, he was an alcoholic, a drunk. And then there was another broken piece. He's washed up, nobody. Here's another broken piece. He's a loser. Waste. Worthless. Disappointment. A zero, a thief. It goes on and on and on. A failure. How many times do we tell ourselves that these are the things that we are? And how many people in here have actually been told that by other people. You see, this was the custom that people had when somebody made a huge mistake like this prodigal son. And I, and I like to imagine that maybe, you know, the father tried to run to save him from this. And maybe the community was coming and they were walking closer and closer to the gate. And maybe they had the intention to shame this person, to shame this boy. They had the intention to shame this teenager. But as they got closer and closer and closer to the gates, what did they see? They saw their, their master, their leader, have compassion on their son. They saw their master and leader fall on their son. And, and, and there was tears and there was this moment. And it was a form of love, a love that you, can, you can't even measure. 
A love that's so great and so vast. A love from a father to a son. Happy for him to be home. Happy for him to finally be in his arms. Every day this father waited and waited and waited for him to come. And now the point came where these, the community came and thinking about keeping score. Now it's time to pay this guy back. See, when one person left the community, there was more work to do. More responsibilities had to be done now. People had to get up early. So think about all the people that were upset with him because he left. That he just took off and left them behind. Kind of betrayed them in a sense. But we see, we see these, these men, the people coming to them. And they see their master loving on his son. And what I'd like to imagine is this is the same kind of scene where we see the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Could it be that there was a community of people holding these pots, ready to shame them? But like the, the woman in the very act of adultery, we see that there was a community holding stones, ready to stone this lady. But instead, Jesus said, whoever uh, has no sin, cast the first stone. And we see that little by little, all the stones started dropping. And from the eldest to the youngest, they all started walking away. Now think about this story even more of the prodigal son. Think about these people. Not only did they see the love of a father, but have you ever saw a movie and you get that, that knot in your throat? Could it be that they, they felt that love? That they felt the thickness? That, that they felt the joy that this father had with his son? That, that their anger and their frustration and bitterness turned, turned to, to, to happiness? Like, whoa, this is a moment. This is a moment that I can't miss. And instead of wanting to break the pot and shame this man and tell him he's not part of the community, that, that our relationship is broken and it's hindered and we don't want you. That they decided to put the pots down. And the Bible said that the master, the master told them, put a robe on him. Could it be that these people were already in the process to do that? That they put the pot down and they brought the robe and they brought the ring and they brought the sandals and when they saw the father have compassion on their son that they also came and clothed him that they also came to love on him that they also came to honor this boy someone that didn't deserve honor but what did he do he came with the repentive heart he came with the understanding that he sinned against his father and he sinned against God see God is looking for a people that will turn from their ways He's looking for a people that'll come to him and say, I am sorry for not putting you in my life. I am sorry for doing my own thing, for going my own way, for going my own path. I am sorry, God, that I live this way and I just want change. I just want my life to change. And I'm just sorry, God. I need forgiveness. And, and I just look at what happens here at Reach Church. And I think about this scene and I think about this moment and I think about the father loving on his son and the community dropping their pots and bringing a robe and bringing a ring and bringing sandals on this man's feet and everybody honoring this man. Pastor Ron Simpkins talked about honor. When you honor somebody, it changes the atmosphere. It changes the community. It changes churches. It changes everything around them and how this whole community came and they honored this young man. They honored him and blessed him. And I think about the people that come up that take that step of action and say, you know what, God, the life I'm living, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not adding up to what I thought it would. It's, it's not leading up to, to what I imagined life would be. I'm not happy. I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. I'm broken, Lord. But I heard about a Jesus that's in heaven that died for me, that said there's a far better life if I just serve him. And the people that come up here, 
I look at the leaders that come and pray with this man. I look at the, the, the women that come and pray for, for the women that are giving their lives to the Lord. And, and, and I witness this type of scene where people are just being loved on. They're being honored because of how the world treated them. How the world disgraced them. How the world just made fun of them and treated them like dirt. And, and put them to, the, uh, to a bottom pit and let them feel like they're a zero. And I think about when they come in here. And they come and they give their life to Jesus. And they say, God, change my life. And I just see all the community, all the people coming in Reach Church. Just coming to honor this person. Honor this man or woman. Giving their life to the Lord is such a beautiful thing. The value of one person giving their soul to Jesus. The value of one life. The Bible says that he washes away all of our sin. He makes us new when we confess that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. When we confess that we're a sinner, he makes us new. And I wonder again, how many people have that alarm right now going off about the way you're living, about the roads you've been going down, about the things you've been doing, things in secret. And I wonder, are you ready to open your eyes are you ready to be honest with yourself? Are you ready to have an aha moment? Are you ready to take action tonight and say, you know what, God, I don't want this life anymore, but I want to follow you and I want you to touch my heart and I want to change. I want to challenge you guys tonight. If we all can just stand right now. God is so good. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the brothers that came up and gave a word, Lord. I thank you for your Holy Spirit being here, Jesus. I thank you for the love that is in this room. A love that covers a multitude of sin. Think about that. I know it's cliche to say it, but think about this scene. Think about the scenery. Think about the community coming. And instead of dishonoring this man, they honored him and they loved on him. Think about the life-changing experience this man felt coming home. My son who was dead has now been found and he's alive again. You see, God is looking for our people to take action and step out and say, Lord, I want to try you out. Lord, this world doesn't offer anything good for me, but I know you love me. So right now, I want to challenge you. If there's anybody out there, if you want to make this step, this action right now, if you want to be honest with yourself, if you want to wake up and realize the life that you're leading is not the life that God intended, just go ahead and raise your hand. There's brothers and sisters and leaders here that want to pray with you. And I believe God is touching hearts right now. I believe you've been shamed on. I believe, uh, you know, you have all these thoughts in your head and, and you have a list of things on how can God do this and how can God love me and how can God forgive me for all the things that I've done. And you've built a wall. But I want to let you know God is breaking barriers right now. God is breaking through. That's what love does. Love bursts open barriers. And he's drawing you to him right now. He's drawing your hearts. Don't think about the person to the left of you. Don't think about the person to the right of you. God is waiting for somebody to take action. God is waiting for somebody to make that step of faith and to trust in him. So I want to ask you again, if there's anybody out here that would say, hey, I want to receive salvation. I want to try serving the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind and all my soul. Is there anybody out there? Just lift your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Praise God. 
teenagers, God's challenging you right now. If there never is a time like now for teenagers to rise up and to be the example, to be a light, to be a witness, that time is now. There's so many people hurting that are depressed and suicidal in school. Is there any teenagers out here that want to give their life to Jesus right now? Anybody here that is just holding back? I see the hand over there. There's another hand over there. God's waiting for you. God's a gentleman. He won't throw himself on you, but he'll wait. He'll wait. I believe there's there's hearts being touched right now. Well, amen. I want to encourage those that raised their hand. If you can do me a favor, could you guys come up here? Can you come up here, sister? Come on up here. We're going to get some women to pray with you. Was there anybody else? Amen. Come on. Come on down, sister. Can we get another sister to pray with her? Praise the Lord. I'm going to give it a moment. Could you guys lead them to the Lord? Could you guys help them with the sinner's prayer? God is moving right now. You see, there's another brother in the story. I want to end it with this. There's another brother in the story, an older brother, who came home and heard this party. And he was so surprised that his father would throw a party. He said, I've been with you always, Dad. When have you ever thrown a party with me? And I think about this pot, and I think about betrayal. The older brother and the little brother, they probably did a lot of things together. They probably worked together. They probably built stuff together in their community. Probably did a lot. And when the young brother left, I bet you he was a little bit betrayed, a little bit hurt, a little bit upset. And I think about this pot. His brother knew he would come back one day. Maybe he had a special pot for him. You know, you see in World War II, when planes leave to go to the enemy, they paint little, little faces or murals or sayings on bombs. You know, maybe his brother was, had so much animosity to him, he had his own special pot on the shelf in his room waiting for his brother to come back. But when he came back, he seen that there was a party going on. And I, I want to share this. See, the younger brother was lost in his badness, but the older brother was so lost in his goodness. He was so lost because he was doing the right things. He was keeping score on how good he was. On that he was always there and he did this and he did that for the father, but no one ever threw a party for him. But it caused so much resentment in his heart. And I want to let you know, brothers and sisters, we can't have resentment like that with each other. We have to learn to forgive the way God forgave us. The way this father forgave his son, the brother also needs to love his brother while they serve together and forgive. And I want to encourage you, family, reach church. That bomb that you're holding for that person that you're angry with, waiting for the right moment, just to throw bombs on them, let it go. Detonate it, bury it, put it in the ocean. There's no need for that. God wants to move in your life and he'll move in your life the moment you learn to forgive. We have to have an abundance of forgiveness, the Bible says. We need to learn how to love one another. We need to learn how to uplift one another and encourage one another. And the father said this, he told his son, son, everything that you have, everything that is mine, everything that you see, 
is yours. You have all of this with you. And I believe God right now is, is changing hearts and teaching us how to forgive and touching each other. But I want to let you guys know the altars are open. And I want to encourage you guys to come and ask God to, to teach you how to forgive, to teach you how to love again, to teach you how to hug that person that you have animosity with, to teach you how to, how to look over that and teach you how to love just the way this father loved his son. So I want to encourage you guys, if you could come up and allow God to heal your heart, allow God to heal your brokenness. You know, we just came out of a conference, Mosaic Conference, and why I love what Pastor said. He said, God doesn't erase our brokenness. In fact, he says, we impress with our strengths, but we connect with our weaknesses. You see, we can use these pieces that we used to be to help the new people that are coming in. See, God can recreate a new life in our lives. And I believe he's recreating a lot right now in every single one of us. The altars are open. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.